The Commentary Booth is a show for media lovers by media lovers just like you. If you want to support the show, go to pariomagazine.com.au. Welcome to the Commentary Booth, where we watch, and you guessed it, commentate on the week that was in movies and TV. I'm your host and play-by-play commentator, Jamie Apps, and each week I'm joined by a rotating cast of colour commentators to help you find your next viewing treat. This week, I'm joined by one half of Australia's fastest tag team, The Velocities, alongside his partner, Jude London. This man is a former two-time PWA tag team champion one-time FWA and OTT tag team champion, and the current Asuka tag team champion. Oh yeah, and he's also a former First Dates Australia star. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Spartan Spirit, Paris De Silva. Oh, thanks for having me, Jamie, and what a great introduction. I've never had that uh, intro quite as extensive before, so I'm, uh, I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah, well, you're racking up the titles now, so I think the yeah. entrance is just going to get longer and longer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. How was the experience over in Europe recently winning more championships? Incredible. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, hindsight's a beautiful thing. But going into it, uh, I guess we just overall didn't expect us to basically get that many championships. You know, for us, the, the challenge in itself was just to kind of get there uh, and show who we were. And then to get these opportunities to, you know, not only perform in, in Italy and in Ireland and, and in England, but to be able to, you know, win international titles um you know that's the stuff that you know we dream of so yeah it's, it's one of those moments where you kind of have to rub your eyes sometimes and, and make sure that you're not dreaming because uh, that's what it felt like it felt like a dream but uh in the end yeah it was just uh such an amazing experience and to be able to win some championships with that experience you know couldn't ask for a better tour in my opinion and then recently come home back to australia and return to pwa over the weekend how was how was the ovation there oh unreal you know we have such a special vibe within PWA so it was it was so nice to see some faces that I haven't seen for the last you know three and a bit months and uh to come back to our atmosphere and to just to see the scene still just so good and, and on top and you know it's, it's just even more motivating to now just be back home because it's one of those things where it was hard leaving home but sometimes you need that change to kind of grow as a as a wrestler and as a performer but there were times where we were at home uh you know in England where we were based and we'd be watching the PWA shows and would have FOMO it just didn't feel right at times, you know, not being there and being a part of it. So to finally come back and, uh, you know, to perform in this new venue and pretty much just on the cusp of a major tour, it's just so encouraging. So, yeah, we're just ready to go, hit the ground running, and uh, let's get some more eyes on the PWA products. Yeah, like you mentioned, with the, the upcoming tour. So this week, in line with Paris's fighting spirit, we're going to preview this upcoming PWA Let's F and Go tour. Yeah. And then we're going to dive into a bit of a review of Cobra Kai, Unreal. the latest season on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So at the PWA show over the weekend, we saw a big announcement for yourself and Jude going after the PWA tag titles again for this on this tour. Yes. How does that feel to potentially become a three-time PWA tag team champion? Uh, it's extremely exciting. I, I can't say that in PWA's history, we've had a single team that can call themselves three-time tag team champions. So for us, that's a real big feat, uh, you know, if we manage to to win those championships. But obviously, we've got a really, really big history when it comes to MK Plus Ultra. They've just been like a thorn in our side for years now. Uh, and for us to kind of 
have this feud and it kind of, you know, be a part of so many different venues as well, where it kind of started out in Max Watts and then we had that that real big ladder match in uh, in Factory Theatre to then, you know, stepping up to the Metro and now, uh, you know, obviously the Roundhouse. It seems like whenever there's a major turning point for PWA, our paths always cross. So there's just a real big history there. And uh, I think for us, you know, if I'm if I'm correct with the scoreboards, it's it's 2-1 with MK Ultra up. So, uh, you know, we don't really like that. We suddenly want to change it. Um, but, you know, we're ready. It's it's one of those things where it may be a different environment, but in terms of the competitors, uh, you know, we know them pretty well and they know us pretty well. So it's going to be very interesting. And then I guess if you guys win, it'll be two all and we'll need a fifth. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe so. We'll see what happens. Becomes a best of five, best of seven, best of nine, just continues on and on forever. Awesome. thing. Uh, so yeah, this Let's F and Go tour, seven, seven shows across all the East Coast, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, and then closing out in Canberra. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling ahead of such an extensive tour? Like the first time a PWA has done something like this? Absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's, it's a major step. But I feel like coming off from a three-month tour in, you know, Europe, uh, you know, our schedule was quite busy. We're, we're performing almost, you know, every weekend. So I think for us, you know, uh, it's really exciting because when it comes to Australian wrestling, we really haven't had an opportunity I guess with any company to be able to tour, you know, so extensively across three states. So it's just super encouraging. And, you know, at the same time, there is a lot of pressure because it's kind of like the first time that this is being done. Uh, But as for me and Jude, you know, we're ready. Uh, Like I said, you know, we've had that experience of doing tours. Even more so now, we're just more motivated at the fact that we're doing a tour at home at this level. I think it's such a big step. And what it should entail, I think, is going to be absolutely incredible from some of the announcements that we've gotten already to, you know, the venues that we're performing in, uh, I really, really feel that this is just going to be the start of many tours for PWA. Uh, so, yeah, we've got Queensland October 2nd, Melbourne for two nights on October 7 and 8 for the Coliseum tournament. Mm-hmm. Excited for that one, I imagine. Oh, of course, man. I think when it comes to Coliseum, you know, we uh, we obviously had the pandemic, which halted that process of, of having another tournament for for pretty much almost three years now. I think the last time we had it was uh, with Matty Warburg winning it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for us, you know, this is a long time coming. So we're very, very excited to be able to finally welcome back the Coliseum tournament. And then from there, we go to uh, Wollongong at the UAW Uni Bar, which is the one I'm excited for. It's a re- essentially hometown show for me. So I'm keen for that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, then you head up to Newcastle. Back down to Sydney mm-hmm. for the Roundhouse with the special guest star from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Shingo Takagi. What an am- amazing announcement that was over the weekend. It's huge. I think it's just so exciting, you know, to be able to have, obviously, we've had quite a few names when it comes to PWA, but in terms of, you know, Shingo, what an unreal wrestler, an amazing performer. And, uh, you know, I think it's, you know, a door that's obviously opening between, uh, hopefully, PWA and New Japan and, you know, with Shingo coming in, you know, who else? There are, I think there are more questions and hopefully more talent that are keen to join us on future tours. So, uh, yeah, very, very excited to welcome him to uh, to Australia and hopefully get a taste of what uh, PWA is all about. And then the tour closes out in Canberra on October 28th. Exciting to sort of be going to Canberra. I feel like they don't get a lot of wrestling shows, so it's a pretty big moment for them. They don't. They don't. I think it's one of those things where, again, you know, the, the wrestling scene here is kind of growing. And, and with that expansion, you know, we've obviously got to try areas where – they don't get a lot of wrestling. And uh, I think it's a really exciting time. Obviously, we're going to probably have a different fan base. They might not be as hardcore. They may not be as aware of what pro wrestling is. So, you know, let's educate them. Let's have a good time. So, you know, when it comes to Canberra, the only time I can remember 
<laughs> my adventures to Canberra was, was in year six for, uh, you know, a school excursion on Parliament. So this time, you know, actually going back for, uh, for some wrestling, I guess, and a slightly different educational purpose uh, is is quite exciting. Yeah, this time you're the teacher. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Are you sort of expecting this to like be a foundation for future tours and are you hoping to sort of have fans coming along to a, a few different stops along the, the road? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's obviously still very early days, but I think for a long time the idea of an Australian company kind of running, you know, a nationwide tour was impossible. Whereas now it's becoming possible. It's almost like we're just kind of getting a slight step ahead every time. We're slowly just climbing towards another rung on the ladder. So, yeah, I, I really believe that this is just the start of many tours. They might not be as frequent straight away, but, you know, this is definitely a testing ground. I think, you know, mistakes will be made and there will obviously be some some learning curves. Uh, and in terms of fans, I think it's even more exciting. You know, it's almost like kind of, you know, wanting to go and see your favorite band and, um, you know, seeing them at each gig at each different venue. So, you know, I'm sure that's the case, but what's really, really exciting to me is the idea of just bringing in new fans and seeing a lot of different faces. You know, I think that presents quite a challenge as a performer, but it's also really exciting in knowing that, hey, we're getting not only more eyes on our product, but we're getting different eyes on our product. So yeah, I, I, uh, I firmly believe that this is going to be a really, really good step and just one of many for our tours. And then given that PWA has like They've hit a, a number of big venues already with the Roundhouse, the Metro. Are there any like other dream venues that you guys would love to take a show to? Oh my gosh, there, there are so many. You know, I think in terms of like this, when it comes to scales of venues, we always want to go to something bigger. Um, I think, you know, one that always comes into mind is, you know, the Horton Pavilion. Mm -hmm. If we could ever get to a stage like that, uh, there's so many other venues. I mean, the Metro obviously was a big one. Um, and you know, with, with the roundhouse, the last time we were there was, was as part of, you know, the new Japan tour, whereas this time, you know, we're kind of doing it on our own. So for us, that's just such a, such a milestone, but you know, other, other venues that we have run that I think would be great to go to again was obviously like the star, Yep. but then again, you know, it's just, there's anywhere and everywhere as well for us. But right now, I think with all attention on the roundhouse, we kind of just want to see how that goes. And then from there, once we've done that, you know, sky's the limit, but you know, Horton Pavilion is definitely the goal I, I could say for many of us okay and then i imagine with the importance of this tour nobody's going to be disappointed by any of these shows you guys are going to be going all out every single weekend oh 100 you know it, it's one of those things that where again you kind of have to be mindful <laughs> when you're wrestling so often about obviously trying to you know maintain your health and keeping your body in check but once you're out there it's just such a different story and it's so hard because you're just in the moment but we wouldn't have been where we are now if we didn't put it all on the line and just gave it our everything. You know, we just wouldn't. So I think we're all just so motivated and so hungry that as much as we may be told to, you know, just be mindful, I think once we're out there, um, you know, it's just, just going to be back to our old habits of just, you know, <laughs> like you said, just going all out every single night that we can. So then as we move into our normal programming, reviewing some TV shows, do you want to introduce our audience to who Paris is and sort of what would be your favorite movie and favorite TV show of all time? Oh, it's so hard because I like to, I like to consider myself a bit of a movie buff. Again, I'm I'm not fantastic, but you know, inside the ring, I'm very very quick and very loud and and quite outgoing. But as a outside the ring, I'm actually quite quiet. And a big thing for me is you know to wind down, and and a huge part part of that is just TV and movies. In terms of having to like name maybe a favorite TV show, it's half a mix. I usually have to go within genres. Mm -hmm. But one that I always find myself going to as a TV show, aside from, you know, Cobra Kai would be Seinfeld. I just 
love it and can relate to George Costanza so much. <laughs> I just have such a relatability to him. And in terms of like movies, there are just so many that come to mind. I'm a big, big fan of really gritty movies. So, man, if I can just think of one that I always kind of go to is is Heat. I'm a big fan of Heat. Uh, I love my crime thrillers. I love movies like Seven, you know, Tarantino films. Uh, I could go on and on and on. Um, but I guess, you know, outside the ring, I've just got so much time to myself after training and then working out that I just, I'll just i put on a movie. So, yeah, that's pretty much my <laughs> thin expertise, if you will, on film and TV. A man after my own heart with the Tarantino movies, I think they're yeah. <laughs> amazing movies. So. I'm glad I have a supporter. <laughs> Uh, and then in terms of Cobra Kai, season five, following on as a continuation of the, the sequel series to the Karate Kid movies, mm. and this time we see Daniel and Johnny continuing to try to bring down Cobra Kai, Terry Silver taking over after John Kreese was framed of assault, and yeah, it just continues on in phenomenal fashion. Overall, what did you think of this season? I think there was a lot of growth. I feel like this, there was just such a change in this season compared to the other four, particularly with, obviously, you know, Terry Silver betraying John and, and taking over Cobra Kai. But for me, just seeing the growth of Johnny Lawrence as well mm -hmm. from kind of being such a hardhead still at heart but really being a bit more lenient and I think a bit more understanding of others and obviously, you know, the growth in becoming a father again and the challenges that that happens and, and brings along as well. So seeing his growth for me was just such a huge change and, and it was really exciting. Yeah, there was there was so much growth for him because like I remember when we were first introduced to him in season one of Cobra Kai, he was the, the guy that didn't use technology. He couldn't use a phone or the, in, the internet. He was just like, send it to the internet. Yeah. And then by this season, he's Googling conflict resolution. He's working for Uber and DoorDash and yeah, like... He's just all over the technology. I was like, okay, he's he's changed a lot. Which, again, knowing me, I can absolutely relate <laughs> to. So, yeah, just very, very entertaining stuff from his end. Overall, for me, like, this season started a little bit slow and I was, like, initially thinking, oh, no, have they lost lost that special spark? But then I think by about episode four or five, when they all the, the groups sort of start coming back together, I was like, okay, now I'm in. And I think it finished with possibly the best final episode or best episode of the series as a whole. I absolutely agree. I was kind of in the same boat where I was, again, it was a bit of a slow start and I was kind of almost at a point where I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe it's worth just kind of giving up on the series. And then all of a sudden it just switches on you. And in terms of the cliffhanger that it leads at the end, um, that caught me off guard completely. Um, and it was one of those things where it just kept pulling you in bit by bit by bit. Um, especially with Stinray coming back as mm -hmm. well, that kind of got me into it again. Um, and obviously with this whole, you know, the, the, the old Valley is obviously quite the big tournament when it comes to this series, but then obviously being introduced to this Japanese tournament and kind of realizing that this is just such a bigger bubble when it comes to the world of karate sucked me even, even more to the point of now, like the, the, the stakes are higher. <laughs> it's just going to be, there's so many more bodies involved, so many more names, you know, what's going to happen. So yeah, very busy season towards the end, and uh, what a setup for season six. Oh, yeah. Like, it, yeah, it went from this little regional small town thing of we just don't want to be bullied by the other kids to now this is like world domination stakes. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> elevated to new heights with the Sakai Takai. Yeah. The other thing I thought was a little bit strange was there is weirdly a lot of karate dojos in the valley. I feel like in the real world, there's 
there's hardly ever that many karate dojos in one town. Yeah, there, there were heaps. And for me as well, just the the amount of regular people that just seem to know karate. I, I think I believe the character, his character's name, I think was Mike. And he owned like a, uh, was it like a, a furnishing store? or uh, Yeah, the furniture guy. This guy has no time for anything else. You know, he's probably got a major business. He's obviously very busy, quite wealthy. You'd think he'd put all his, you know, eggs in that basket. But here he is an absolute like weapon at the same time yeah like he learned karate as a kid and is still like a black belt level dude just crazy stuff so when it comes to i guess you know being in the valley you just you just don't know who knows <laughs> karate so yeah it's full on uh what did you think of like we said at the start a bit slow the johnny and robbie going to mexico to rescue miguel essentially mm. i thought that felt a little bit off like it felt like they set that up last season and then when it came back this season, they were kind of like, well, this isn't really working the way we had envisioned. So let's kind of get out of this as quickly as we can. Yeah, I think it, it almost felt like they, like you said, they'd started something. And I don't know if, again, it was because, you know, it was sort of towards the end of season four and there was such a long gap that maybe they had in mind of maybe try to just kind of reinform the viewers of what had happened. But yeah, it was it, it, something to... I wouldn't say it didn't feel right, but I just think it was a little bit longer than what it needed to be. But at the same time, you know, having that character arc and kind of almost having, I guess, that situation of Miguel going to Mexico kind of showed, I guess, the the father intuition of, of Johnny and kind of showed a different light towards mm-hmm. him. And seeing a bit of a change in, I guess, scenery and and seeing, again, you know, a bit, a bit more of a comedic side to Johnny with trying to understand the language <laughs> and eventually getting a car when he just thought the guy wanted to buy his van and stuff like that. And getting into fight with Australians, which, you know, I mean. <laughs> I found that hilarious. Josh Lawson popping up as an Australian surfer. I, of course, you know, and, and uh, you know, pro- probably wasn't right, but being a fellow Aussie, I was rooting for him so hard. But um, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, I, I don't know if Aussies are really scammers in Mexico. Yeah, I feel like we'd probably be the people getting scammed, not running the scams. <laughs> or if anything, you know, we're pretty laid back you know, individuals, I think feel like we'd help someone out without having to charge them or, or try and, you know, beat them up. So, uh, yeah, but again, it, it was probably a bit s- slow in that sense, but also I think it may be necessary in seeing some changes within Johnny and, and Robbie as well. Yeah, like it, it definitely paid off in the end where yeah. all those elements sort of did build up to the, the crescendo at the end. But yeah, in those first couple of episodes, I was just kind of like, oh, what are we doing here? This is, this is not what I was expecting from this series. I guess the... Having patience eventually paid off. Yep. Yeah, they were, they were teaching us our own wax on, wax off moment there. And we mentioned Josh Law- Lawson popping up. There was a couple of other celebrity cameos as well. Did you notice the two UFC stars? I did. Is it, again, my my knowledge with, with UFC isn't great. Is it Tyrone Woodley? Yeah, so Tyrone Woodley was one of the uh, senseis that Terry Silver brings in. Yes. And the other one was Wonderboy Stephen Thompson, who's another UFC fighter okay. as well. So I was like, that's pretty cool that they actually got legitimate fighters into, I imagine, help choreography as well as act. Yeah, I'm sure that was the case. It was interesting because it was one of those things where I, I felt like, I'm like, I've definitely seen you before, mm-hmm. but I'm not too sure from. And then once I kind of worked it out and yeah, it was, it was very intriguing, I guess, maybe seeing if there was going to be a bit more of maybe an MMA influence with the, within this season as well. Yeah, I wonder if that'll come into the, the next tournament where it's... It could possibly. Like, that's what I really enjoyed about this season as well was just seeing the amount of different influences as well as like with the addition of chosen it kind of made me think a little bit about wrestling as well and there's no real one way of doing it and there's just such a whirlwind of different styles and when they come together it's actually really interesting and i found that very similar 
within this season and all obviously the different dojos and, and the different beliefs. So, um, yeah, it really kind of, like you said, I guess it went from, you know, being something within, you know, the Valley to kind of really becoming a global thing with just so many different individuals. And what did you think of the like ramp up in violence compared to previous seasons as well? Like we saw Tyrone Woodley's character gets his finger chopped off. Yeah. And I legitimately thought Chosen was murdered in that final episode. I, I'm glad because I was like, there's no way, <laughs> there's no way they're, they're going to allow murder on this series because I was convinced too. So, um, yeah, and like obviously within the other seasons, there was some pretty, like some nasty stuff happened, right? Obviously with Miguel going to hospital and stuff like that and Robbie going on the run. But now to the stage of, you know, people losing fingers and, and you know, <laughs> getting stabbed in the back. Yeah, it's really taken a dark turn. But obviously, and we, and we just discussed it earlier, I think, you know, you and I being kind of a fan of like Tarantino-style films, um, it kind of gave me a bit of Kill Bill, uh, Kill Bill oh, yeah. vibes. So I was kind of like, Very. I was kind of like into it and I kind of liked, in a way, them taking a risk because I do feel like it was quite family-orientated at first. And it still kind of is. But I think, obviously, with things being, you know, at a high stake, you know, there comes higher risk. So... I just found it very entertaining. It was kind of confronting, but also that's what you want in the series. That's what's, go that's what's going to drag you in and keep you watching. And I think that, that was the major change in kind of, okay, this is why we stuck around through those first few episodes is so we could get to this point and kind of get this reaction and this reward and the excitement that it brings. Yeah, I think you do need those those shock moments where it it does prove that this is a show for, I guess, people that grew up on Karate Kid. So they're not, it's not like it's directly targeted to kids but it, it can still draw in the kids as well yes like if if they didn't have those shock moments i think the adults would eventually just be like oh, I, I don't want to watch this anymore this is too kid friendly <laughs> i thought another major moment was the miguel and robbie fight at the apartment before they find out about the pregnancy yes that was such an intense fight i thought that was really well done i i agree and i think for us too we kind of never really got a conclusion after what had happened before, um, where I think getting to the stage of being through so much and I think they finally had an opportunity to just let it all out. And then obviously getting the news and putting things into perspective. Yeah, it was it was really, really well done. And we, we sort of got like Tekken level changes as well where they're getting kicked through doors and all of a sudden they're in a different place as in part of the fight. I was like, oh, this is really, this is so well done. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved the, the contrast between how Johnny is trying so hard in all these other ways to get these two boys to come together. Like he's taking them out for dinners. He's trip tricking them into being in the same place to do his own little yeah. made up escape room where he's locked himself in his own house <laughs> when really all he had to do was go back to old school Johnny Lawrence and just let them fight it out. Yeah. Which is, it's funny. Cause I guess kind of, you know, him becoming a, a dad again, you'd kind of think the opposite of being a parent and, you know, not wanting to resort to, to, I guess, violence. But I guess in, in this scenario and, and who he is as a person, in a way with karate, violence somehow kind of shaped him and helped him out in a lot of situations. So I guess in this case, like you said, he really just had to kind of like just sit back and let them just handle it. So yeah, and I guess it, that was what was kind of interesting was seeing, again, Johnny really trying different ways to kind of, I guess, reach some sort of an agreement. Um, and him, I guess, growing in terms of trying to find other ways of sorting out, I guess, difficult situations within his family. And maybe will this shape him when it comes to the birth of his next child, you know? So yeah, it's very interesting stuff. And then on the flip side, we had Daniel sort of going the opposite direction where he was, he was the one drinking all the time and just like trying to instigate everything instead of being, 
logical and methodical about things. I thought that was a nice little flip of the script, but then they still brought them back together for those final couple of episodes. Yeah, I guess that kind of really creates, you know, I feel like it kind of creates a lot of tension within the viewer too and a bit of doubt of maybe, you know, for so long he's been, he's had a sort of, I guess, reputation and vision on how things should be done in the world of karate. And then I guess, you know, you kind of think, man, if, if for him to lose it, it must be a really, really serious thing to make him kind of go against all his instincts and morals. And it kind of created a bit of panic in me because then I was like, I'm, I was convinced that that's it, like Cobra Kai <laughs> have got the bag. But for them, for him to then kind of go back into, you know, I guess, you know, Miyagi-Do's teaching, um, you know, it's similar to like with, with Johnny. Sometimes you just got to go back to, I guess, your instincts and what you're taught early on. Sometimes, you it's you know, if it's not broken, you know, you don't need to fix it. Um, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think, you know, it's very relatable because sometimes we, we forget that. Um, the answer's always been there. You just got to kind of remind yourself that it is. And I think it made them feel like much more real life characters as well, because yeah, not everybody is one way. Like they don't set out on one path for their life and then that's it. They don't change. They're set in their ways the entire time. Like a lot of people do have those winding paths throughout their life. So it felt real. A hundred percent. I think this, for me, this was the most relatable season of the series. A few outside notes since the season has aired. Did you see that there is a new Karate Kid movie that has been confirmed by Sony Pictures? Oh, I have not. So, yeah, on a couple of weeks ago, Karate Kid was confirmed to be happening by Sony Pictures due to release on June 7th of 2024. Okay. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, yeah, cool. This is going to be the Cobra Kai movie to, like, conclude everything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it's going to be the Sakai Takai. But then... I found out there is a sixth season, so that's probably where that's going to happen. Right. And apparently this movie has no connection to the Cobra Kai franchise, which I thought was such a weird decision. <laughs> was that kind of similar with, I feel like that was similar with the one with Jen Smith, right? Mm -hmm. is, so is it kind of almost like we're kind of doing it, another version of that in a way? Yeah, like I, I'm not sure what the confirmed direction is. Like, are they just going to try and reboot this again and ignore this really popular franchise that they have? that you could cash in on? Like, what are you doing? 100%. I don't know. I feel like it's a real common thing now with, with movies is they kind of, we're going, we're not kind of creating, I don't want to say that they're not creating new stories, but I find that a lot of films are very reliant on older franchises and just mm -hmm. kind of almost doing them over and over again with different actors. And again, I think like you said, you know, Cobra Kai is just so popular at the moment. Why would you not cash in on that? Um, so, you know, all, all the best to them and hopefully it, it does become a really good film. But I think for a lot of people, when you associate the Karate Kid, it really makes you think about Cobra Kai. Mm. So, yeah, that's really interesting. Because I, as soon as you told me, I was like, oh, okay, this is where, I, like you said, the grand finale is going to happen. It's going to be, you know, a movie picture. So it's interesting. Um, yeah, very curious to see how it goes. We've got time, I guess. So Just another weird Sony decision where, like, instead of making something connected to the Spider-Man movies, they tried to do all these offshoots that just don't, like land as well i'm like okay okay we could have just done a cobra kai movie and you would have been guaranteed to get a profit on that whereas now you're going to reboot an old franchise and risk it flopping yeah absolutely like i said i think season six is going to be this big sakai takai world tournament how do you think that's going to play out do you think we will get those mma influences or is it going to be very strictly karate kind of like the old like three ninjas movie where they went to the world tournament right 
because again, I feel like we're, we're kind of going to this point of within like Johnny and and Daniel, they're kind of gone down these different paths, but they always come back, I guess, to their original selves. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things. Maybe we'll see influences within the tournament. I think it's going to make it interesting as well, especially when you know it's this global tournament, and you're going to be in a situation where not everyone's going to be doing the same thing. I do feel like there will be a lot of different influences and fighting styles, but I feel like at the end of the day, it's just going to come back again to two between Cobra Kai and Miyagi Do. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you get, you kind of like got that big big circle of storytelling, and it's just going to come back, I guess, to where it all started. So I see it kind of paying off like that. Um, but I'm very curious to see, and I'm 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 very very excited. I'm a big fan of Japanese culture as well. So I feel like the fact that you got these guys coming to Japan, and obviously you know got got that Tekken vibe as well. And just like the, the fighting spirit of, of of Japan, yeah, it's it's really really exciting. Yeah, I think it could be a, a phenomenal season, and I'm I'm thinking, yeah, it'll probably come down to the final being probably Robbie and Miguel forced to like battle it out as oh. which style was correct. Oh man, that's rough. <laughs> I know it'll it'll be hard to watch, but uh, it 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 is the Cobra Kai Miyagi Do. It is. It is especially after like I feel like we kind of. Yeah, because I almost felt like we had that conclusion of like, okay, I guess Robbie and Miguel have kind of forgiven each other and they are in a good headspace. But I guess at the end of the day, now we're going to see them in the headspace of competition, which in itself might be even more exciting. So yeah, that's heavy stuff. With it being potentially in Japan, maybe we will see some Japanese wrestling talent pop up as cameos as well. I think that could be a really cool crossover. Dude, give me give me Tanahashi and Okada in the front row. Dude, Maybe Great Mood will come in and do some dragon screwed leg whips, you know. <laughs> There's some exciting stuff, so. Shingo in the background in his dragon mask would be really cool. Dude, hey, man. Oh, I'm, I'm very excited. Hopefully that's, that's the case. I think it'd be really cool as well having, I guess, that pro wrestling influence as well, being so such a big thing in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's really, really exciting. That, that could be a possibility. Yeah, some pro wrestling, some sumo. Like, There's so many options to explore in the Japanese culture. Yeah, it, all, all, you know, all combat sports kind of meet together. So, Alrighty. Awesome. So outside of Cobra Kai and this upcoming tour, is there any other things that you would recommend people check out that you watched during your travels? So, oh man, I'm a, I'm a big, awesome, I'm a real big true crime guy and, and I, I love my documentaries. So I always recommend in terms of documentaries, uh, Icarus, which is just about, you know, uh, when it comes to the Russians doping. And it was essentially a documentary. Uh, have you seen it? Yeah, very good. Very, very good. I just found, again, they just went from, okay, let's try and replicate Lance uh, Armstrong's, I guess, cycle to then becoming this massive global scandal. So kind of similar to, I guess, with Cobra Kai. It just started out small and then became this huge thing. But for me too, man, I, I just, I'm a big fan of also, you know, The Nice Guys. That's a comedy that's still on Netflix at the moment. If you get a chance to see that, it's with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. But, you know, just keep an eye out, man. And I guess for me, you know, it's easy for me to say, you know, have your downtime. But right now, my eyes and, and my mind are so focused ahead on this tour. That's kind of hard for me to really just be able to sit down and watch a program and not think about it. So, yeah, if anything, you know, just, uh, you know, get ready to, and buckle up for this tour. And uh, I guess in the downtime, you know, there's a lot available. And if you haven't seen Cobra Kai, I absolutely recommend that as well. Yep, 100%. I like Cobra Kai for a nice, fun watch. I just finished the the new, if you like true crime, uh, Dharma, the like drama series about Jeffrey Dharma. Oh, that's pretty full on. But if you can get through the yeah. really intense scenes, I think it's a, a phenomenal series. Like so well done, so well acted. Yeah, I definitely have to check that one out for sure. But yeah, apart from that, I'm looking forward to this PWA Let's F and Go tour. Good luck with that. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Commentary Booth. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe on podcast services, YouTube. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Jamie Ups Media and at Pario Magazine. And you can check Paris out on Instagram at underscore Spartan Spirit. And your Twitter is? It's uh, at ParisSilver22. Awesome. And we'll catch you at the PWA Let's F and Go Tour. <laughs> Hopefully I'll see you there, mate. The Commentary Booth is a fan-funded production of Jamie Apps Media. You can support the podcast alongside our magazine, Pario Magazine, on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Media. The following people supported at the community support group level or higher, and you cannot fathom how incredibly appreciative we are for their support. Brian and June Hart, Blake Robinson, Rena Renee, Courtney Paulson, Darren Hatcliffe, Jackson Carr, and Tracy Apps.